furthest recesses of the internet, located in some guy's basement, this is Gaming Geek! And now, here is the host of Gaming Geek, Michael Baker! Right, thank you, thank you everyone. Welcome to Gaming Let me introduce our contestants. First, from Crazy Import Land, we have Mike Menke. Hello! Hello to you too. Next, from Massive Dragon World, here is Nathan Schlossen. Hey. Hey. And finally, hailing from Bizarro Question Kingdom, Michael App. Hi. Ah, hi. Today's categories are RPGs and Monkeys, RPGs and Fruit, and RPGs and Bowel Movement. Mr. Menke, would you please choose? I'll go with RPGs and Fruit. All right, then. For this series of questions, I will name a piece of fruit and give a description, and you have to name the series. Let's get started. For 100, banana. Nice, simple, nutritious, easily packaged. This game is always popular. What is Dragon Quest? That's correct. I'll continue with the fruit, please. For 200, apple. Sometimes sweet, sometimes sour. A variety of colors on the outside, but always the same. Same on the inside. What is Final Fantasy? Uh, that's right, Nathan. That you choose now. Let's stay in this category. Okay. For 300. Durian. How did it tasty but stinks to high heaven? Hmm. What is Cladoon? Uh, that is correct. Uh, fruit for 400. 400. A plump, um, small, sweeter, sour but bite it and you might choose. What is Mega Tensei? That is correct. Fruit for 500, please. The final question in this category. Here we go. Pineapple. Takes some work to get into, but a nice balance of sweet and sour. Be careful not to bite too deeply or you might come away with bleeding gum. Mm. Uh, no. Anybody? What is Saga? That is correct. Congratulations, Mr. Epps. You have won. Woohoo! Congratulations, Mr. Epps. You're our winner for today. You get this audiographed copy of Unlimited Saga. Oh, um, uh, thanks? And our runners-up go home with a year's supply of Potion. Yes, Potion, official drink of Square Enix since 2006. Uh, anyone want to trade prizes? On your swords, ready your spells. You're about to enter the heart of a dungeon filled with computer and console RPGs from way back when, right up through yesteryear. To get you through this maze that's dripping with danger, we've gathered the best men and women from RP Gamer to watch your back. Some of you have never entered this area before. You're in for quite a fight. For others, this return visit can only be described as an RPG backtrack. Here are the party leaders for this expedition, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And from Salt Lake City, Utah, and all the other corners of the United States, even outside the United States, this is RPG Backtrack number 73, Romancing the Sega. I'm your host, Phil Willis, and my co-host, Mr. Mike Minky. I'm supposed to have something witty and clever to say. 
but I've been made so bitter by seeing endless political ads lately that I have nothing that would be pleasant to hear. I'm sorry. And our con <laughs> our contestants on tonight's backtrack, Mr. Michael Baker. Hello. Mr. Nathan Schlothen. As always, I'll expect to Schlothen. And Mr. Michael Apples. Error 53, server is currently busy. Today, these three contestants will try to work together to convince us that the Sega Frontier games are actually good. Uh, we we no, already had the Sega Frontier games. Yeah, we, we, we already accomplished that. <laughs> They're yeah, gonna... You're taking on a much more difficult task this time. Uh, yeah. You're going to explain how Unlimited Saga works. Ooh. Ooh. Yes, and, and this is this is the game that has a 500 kilobyte read this first file on GameTag. We're playing the game system, <laughs> and oh. it's kind of necessary if you want any detail because apparently the manual in English just it's, it's not worth the, pa the recycled paper it's printed on. So. We're about to let loose an expletive, and you held back the last second. Yes. Hmm, good times. So, uh, well, let's just jump right into it, shall we? We'll be here right back after these commercial messages. For people who will not be in your district. <laughs> My name is Phil Willis, and I approve of this message. We're going to talk about, dare I say it, dare I mention it, Unlimited Saga. Bum, bum, bum. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Developed by uh, Square, published in North America by Square Enix. Uh, this is a PlayStation 2 single-player RPG experience released in North America on June 17, 2003. It's almost been a decade, and boys and girls, a decade just is not long enough. This is rated T. <laughs> uh, or uh, tortured? Yeah. Torturous? Sure. I, I'm not. I I'm actually enjoy, I'm actually enjoying the game right now, but that. That's because it's turned yeah, off. Part because <laughs> actually, no, it's on right now. It's, it's, the game I played before this was just that. Um, right Think about that, it's Phil. Had, Issues. Mr. Baker yeah, just played something that makes Unlimited Saga seem pleasant by comparison. 
Dark Spire. I, I thought you just played Metal Bat. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> oh no no, no I'm no no I I put up a review last night for Pal Shinken Densetsu. Oh. Which. Yeah that yeah. What was the final Compared score to, on that? One and a half. One point five. Oh. I see. So, yeah, it's in the it's in the Cladoon range. Yeah, compared to that, um, Unlimited Saga is actually a breath of fresh air. At, at least it is now that I've gotten used to the attack reels again, and I can nail the high level attacks every single round. Now, incidentally, how does the Japanese manual compare to the one that Square Enix foisted on us in North America? It's slightly more informative. Emphasis slightly. on slightly. I mean, this this is not just Saga. This is unlimited Saga we're talking about. Uh, I mean, like, <laughs> like Dungeons & Dragons had 2.5 with Seiko and all that. Japanese RPGs have unlimited Saga with so many minor statistical things built into the system that nobody ever says outright that it just gets crazy sometimes. So I, I, I'll, I will share my brief experience first. Um, because I'm usually a lot more shallow than you guys are, and then you guys can dive into all of the various details. Um, uh, Go for it. Let's rip. Yeah. Let's okay. So, so <laughs> thankfully, in this case, my my poor memory will probably uh, save uh, <laughs> save us some time. Um, so I I remember when the game came out, it came out to fairly poor. Poor reviews. Uh, taking a quick look on on Meta, you know, it's average of forty five percent. And the user, usually with with JRPGs that do kind of poor, usually the the user score will usually still be a point or two higher, if for no other reason because of the fanboys and the such. But in this case, the user score is actually lower uh, at a four point three. But I saw it in the store and the used copy bin for five bucks, and I'm like, seriously, five bucks? Why not? It's Square Enix. Come on, it's Square. <laughs> And this is the name that I've grown I, to know and love. Let me give it a when shot. I, when I got my copy, I think the exchange rate came up to about $2. There you go. Wow. And I'm thinking to myself. This is in Japan. And I remember, you know, the review, you know, at the, at the point that I was in the store, this was like a year or two after the game had come out. So my memory wasn't quite, I just remember kind of getting some bad reviews. I remember saying something about bad graphics. Not a big deal. I like RPGs because they're RPGs. The graphics, so who cares about those? You know, it's got, you know, it has, um, it doesn't show you in the, I remember reading and seeing the, the graphic screenshots where it doesn't really show you like first person perspective in a dungeon, you know, like we've kind of gotten used to these days. It's all very abstract and I'm okay with the abstract. We play D&D. It's very, you know, that's very abstract, especially if you don't have a, a grid board handy. So I, I, I went ahead and bought it, uh, took it home with the best of intentions and boy, is it abstract. I mean, it is weird as hell. I, I just I just remember it being so far out in left field that it was no longer in the ballpark. It was somewhere in the next city. It was just that far out there. You, know, you, you mentioned Dungeons and Dragons grid maps, and that's actually a pretty good comparison to the way this, these maps look. Sometimes it's like they took the concept of a Dungeons and Dragons style map and just put it into this. Which which would have been cool. I mean, in, in all honesty, yeah. if if it was just the the fact that it was abstract, I mean, I bought that kind of knowing that and being okay with that because, uh, you know, I am kind of that is how we play D and D. And in fact, I probably when I 
play D and D back in the college days, we played it more abstract than most because many times we didn't even have a battle grid. It was just, you know, as the DM, I would just simply explain the scene more or less, and the players would tell me what they want to do. So it was very abstract. Um, but uh, this this kind of uh, the abstractness isn't so much what killed me as just far as how in the hell does all this combat make sense? And you mentioned <laughs> some, I, I, I just couldn't quite understand how the variables on your character sheet relate to one another. The, the, uh, the, the deal in combat where you can get the roll of wheel, right? You got to stop an attack wheel mm-hmm. or something. I should have thought that was fun because I really like, um, what's that series that does that? Um, shadow, uh, shadow hearts. Shadow yeah. Hearts. I love Shadow Hearts to death for that one mechanic. I've often said that it only takes something small like that to get me involved in a game uh, in a JRPG uh, because I'm so tired of just hitting attack and then the computer does all the work for you. I miss rolling the dice. Well, that's you know that's one way to let the player roll the dice, so to speak, and be involved. But it just didn't connect with me on, on that one at all. The graphics were in the battle scenes and stuff where you finally get some graphical representation of what's going on. They were ugly as sin. I swear this says it's a PlayStation 2 game on the box, but I'm serious. That could have worked like first-generation PlayStation 1. It, it just – it does. You haven't played a lot of first-generation PlayStation 1 games lately, have you? Uh, oh, it was that bad. <laughs> it, my eyes my <laughs> eyes were bleeding. <laughs> the 3D graphics in the battle. The, the, the character shots, like in, when you're looking at the 2D, you know, when you're in the town and something and you're looking at the hand-drawn uh, pictures and, you know, and they're pull, and there's menus to get around the town. So it's one of those games where you're not actually walking around town, but you're just picking where you want to go from a menu, if I remember. Um, those were those were okay. The art style, I like that art style. Um, it was static, but that, that we have that a number of JRPGs that are menu driven. Uh, so uh, that that in and of itself wasn't a, a detractor for me. But yeah, when you got into the battles and they go into a 3D battle, you're like, okay, I've done a lot of abstract, got some 2D graphics, got some abstract. Maybe now I'll get some cool graphics. Uh-uh, no, no. First, yeah. I think this game may have worked better as a portable game. Well, in that respect, sure, sure, because you're going to get it on a you know a smaller screen. The, the you know 3D graphics, all it's kind of like Final Fantasy VII. I've said that before. If you play that on a big screen today, your your eyes will will will, will bleed in the th- especially in the 3D combat portions. But when I played on my PSP, where the screen's only two inches, uh, wow, all of a sudden it looks not so bad. <laughs> so um, uh, anyway, so uh, long story short is yeah, it didn't really last that that long with me, and I really gave it a good college try and then it became a five dollar coaster <laughs> so now we'll let you guys get into details first off can any of you experts on the panel tell me does this thing actually have a story it's got about seven so it's like a okay. saga frontier in that regard before yeah. we get to the experts i think i'll talk for just a minute since i guess okay. my my perspective is pretty similar to phil's i rented the game once and i played it a little, but I mean, I just couldn't get into it. I mean, I just picked one of the characters at random since I knew nothing about them, and they weren't quite as colorful and in- immediately interesting as the Saga Frontier characters, which disappointed me. So I just picked like the guy who had the random story of the Cursed Gauntlet, and I'm pretty sure the first fight beat me up completely. I had no idea what was going on. It's just like, I can't beat the first fight! What the heck? Um, after that, it's picked up other characters at random, and I just couldn't get into it. The, the way the map exploration works, the way the battles work off of just the random wheel, I, nothing made sense. Was, the whole presentation is very unappealing. It just didn't work for me, and I never really played it again after even just trying it a little. Just 
Uh, I have no idea how to even approach it. It's just kind of a shame since I really like the Saga series as a whole, but this one just couldn't get me at all. Yeah, it was like with Saga... Yeah, the Saga Frontier, I liked the other ones more or less, and and I was really wanting to give this one a, a really, really fair shake. I think that's the one thing I, I want to don't want to come across. Like, I popped it in, you know, tried it, and then was done with it. I mean, I gave it the college try, but it, it just, after four or five hours, I just gave up. It just it became a coaster. So, story! <laughs> Can anybody tell me, was there a story to this? Seven um, stories. Well, well, just talk about one of the stories then. Or was there like an overarching well, no, plot? I'm not sure if there's an overarching plot or not. I mean, when I first played this, it was back in 2006, and my Japanese reading level wasn't as high as it is now. Mm-hmm. So, so um, yeah, if you had asked me my thoughts about this game six years ago, it would have been very interesting to read. Um, uh, but I'm playing through um, what's supposed to be the easiest of of these seven quests right now, just in terms of what's available and how much money you can make to support you. Mm-hmm. It's not quote unquote easiest. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. actually, it has been pretty easy as long as I've been keeping up on the side material instead of pushing through the story. I, mean, I, I tried to push through the story a bit into the third plot point and got myself hammered a bit. So I, then I just took some time off, had some fun with it, and no problems after that. But in this story. Um, it's, um, the character's name is Ventus, and he's part of a guild of delivery people, carriers. And there's some sort of plot going on involving a, an item called the Dragon Heart. And this vampire lord is trying to recover all of the parts of the Dragon Heart. And we don't really know why yet, but I'm currently isn't full of undead trying to fight my way out. It's been pretty interesting. I think the stories are kind of simplistic for the most part. Uh, I can't yeah. really m- remember much about it. I mean, most of the time you're spending going through, you know, these adventuring areas, uh, kind of away from the main story. So, you know, that kind of happens in bits and pieces. And most of the time you're just exploring, which I think suits the game just fine. I was going to say, but, most uh, saga games are kind of like that. Yeah. But I think this is a little lighter on story than even, you know, the usual series entries. Hmm. But, you know, it it works, you know, and a lot of the side adventures have uh, some neat stories to them. Uh, So, you know, some of the adventures you go on have interesting requirements and things like that. So, uh, you know, I didn't really miss an involving story playing this. Although that might have been just because I was figuring out exactly how to play the thing. So what about the characters? Because yeah. Saga Frontier had some interesting characters. Let's see. Well, I said there's the there's Ventus, the delivery boy. And um, who else is there? Uh, there's there's the, the squirrel the, type guy. Yeah, he's. I think he's supposed to be gathering materials to help save his village. I, I haven't actually yes. I never actually played him. Um, there's the fortune... Teller, who she's not always very accurate, but apparently she likes to try and fix the odds in favor of, of her getting anything right. So sometimes well, um, interfere. 
that's the right word here. Mm -hmm. uh, who are some of the other and, characters? Uh, the youngest one's this like ten-year-old magician who's trying to find, trying to rescue her dad from the mirror world or something like that. Uh, there's a former pirate. Yeah, is he the guy with the glove? Uh, it's a girl. Oh, her. Okay. I can't remember what she looks like at the moment. Tall blonde. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then there's Mike. He's a blacksmith. I don't know exactly why he's out doing stuff. Hmm. Yeah. And who else is there? And then there's the guy with the cursed glove. His entire quest involves him trying to get the thing off. Yes, Kurt in the U.S. version. And it says here cash in the Japanese version. Yeah, that would be right, cash. Mm. Yeah, and it, basically, don't play this one for the story. Yeah. And, and don't play for the characters? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean... There's... Some of the, the characterizations are pretty good, it's just... It's you, you, what you have to work with to begin with. Okay. So what about... Well, I guess that goes right into gameplay. Yes. Oh, gameplay. Of course, the first thing everybody remembers is the attack reel. Yes. Yes. Which, thankfully, are not actually random. So. Yes, uh, you know, they kind of represent dice rolls, except that you can obviously learn to hit them just right and uh, and thankfully there's no time limits on them. Yes, that was a nice touch. Yeah, so you can just watch them go around and around and around a bit, and then ooh boy, just hit a level three attack. Okay, yes. <laughs> but these these uh, reels aren't just used in combat. Uh, there's also, yeah, the, yeah. As you explore, and like, um, I guess you could describe uh, exploring sort of like a, I don't know if you want to call it a board game, although that's probably not the best. It's closer than anything else you could describe it as. Yeah, it, it's if you imagine like the computerized approximation of playing, actually playing D and D. Uh, that's probably the best way I can describe the gameplay here. You know, you're basically moving from room to room. You'll get a description of what's there, and then there's various things you can interact with. And your characters will have different skills. Um, like there may might be a treasure chest. There's different ways you can open that. There might be like water. If one of your characters has a swim skill, you can swim. Uh, mm -hmm. There's various skills like that. If you run to a trap, you'll get a reel, and you know that will just determine the exact result there. So, it's 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 like playing a tabletop RPG essentially. Yeah, and back back to the reels. Any reel associated with identifying, disarming, or unlocking chests is going to be a real pain because it's determined by the chest level as, as well as your skill level. And that means that those reels can be very random. Yes. Yes. 
On the other hand, um, you can very quickly take a rest by just pressing the L3 or R3 buttons on yes. the PlayStation 2 controller and quick and just take a round to heal up. Which, Which is important I, because this game treats hit points in a very different way. Yes, it, if, and if you don't figure out quickly, you'll be very confused. Just one of the things I don't really like about this game. Is they I'm, don't really, they don't really I, explain I the, the hit point system all that well. Oh yeah, that's true. No, I'm, I'm just remembering a, an, actually a Q&A column from many, many years ago. Where the topic was like um, it was actually involving desperation moves in Final Fantasy VI, and Wikers were always lying down a bit when they were down to the last few hit points. Yes. And the idea was that the last few hit points were actually the core hit points. L was kind of stamina that you had to knock off first before you could deal the final blow. Ah. And that actually described and limited sagas system really well because you have the hit points which are effectively stamina and right. you have the life points which actually matter. So it's possible to knock a character down to zero hit points and they're still up and hitting stuff. Right. But the lower the hit points the more likely yeah, the more likely an attack will hit a life point and they'll suffer permanent damage. Yes. I was just going to say that, that, that can probably be confusing to people in that um, you know Sometimes they could have full HP, get hit really hard, and lose LP, even though they still have HP left. Yep. Oh, because some, some attacks target LP specifically, too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and, and I'm also going to say that the idea to use R3 in a completely turn-based, menu-based game is ridiculous. <laughs> Because uh, it took me, took me, not looking at the manual, it took me forever to figure out how to rest to restore HP. Yeah. I, I had to start this game after the first 30 minutes because I'd forgotten the resting bit. <laughs> and I, I didn't survive the first level very well because I kept and forgetting to rest afterwards. <laughs> Yes, this game is not forgiving of you not knowing how to play it. Yeah. Like, if, you, if you forget something or can't figure out something, it, the game is not forgiving in the slightest. Because you, you really, you know, especially in a lot of the longer dungeons, you really need to be able to rest. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then, okay, then there's the next interaction. Interesting thing: Some of the side quests have turn limits. Yes. Which, I mean, what, um, the first one that comes to mind is a quest where you have to help a butler search through the first floor of a house to find something that he's misplaced. And the master of the house is going to be returning pretty soon, so that makes sense to have a turn limit there. <laughs> but some of them, there's a little... Odd. Yes, what, one of the nice things about this game is that you know they kind of take advantage of this simplistic exploration approach and provide a lot of interesting quests to go on. Like one of the, I think one of the most interesting ones I remember, which I failed at completely, was you you're like <laughs> climbing this tower full of monsters, 
and uh, I forget exactly what happens, but you get you get up to the top, and then you have to fight this. You have to you ring. Is trying to completely annihilate me. Is that the Titan flute? I yes, yes it was. Actually, I, I had to, I ended up doing that twice because for some reason it didn't count as finish the my beat boss and I exited the tower oh. and I had to go back in. No, I, I got some really nice I, I got some really nice attacks off of him the second time. I was completely unprepared for that. Like I used up all weapon durability, all everything I had, and. It basically lost the war of attrition and could not beat that boss. Oh, I've been very careful about repairing all of my stuff as soon as it gets down to about 10 durability. Yes, that is very important. Now, your weapons will degrade and you need to to repair them. Mm-hmm. And more annoyingly, once they hit zero, you can't repair them anymore. Yes. But you can use them as raw materials to make new nice, especially since the new weapons don't cost you anything. Yes. Nice. So maybe we should talk about comboing for a second. Okay, so, yeah. Oh, well, here's the fun part. You can have up to eight people in a party, but you get five actions per round of combat. And that could be the one person attacking five times in a row. It could be any combination of people attacking for up to five times. Which is really cool. Yeah. I like and being able to actually use all your party members. And this way, also, it's if you have a situation where you don't want, where you want to limit exposure of certain characters to danger, you can just put one tank character out there to soak it all up for <laughs> a round. And, and I've done that in, often. <laughs> or like in the current case where I'm facing off against a bunch of undead, and I have one character who has some really nice martial arts techniques, I'm just going to put him out there for five times and have, have him just take out the entire group. <laughs> and, oh, I missed it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, I've got about 90% accuracy when it comes to hitting the good attacks now. That's nice. Nice. So what's, what's cool about a te- with uh, comboing is uh, you combo these attacks together, they um, do a lot more damage, but it, you you it's not guaranteed like um i forget you like press a button to start a combo right i'm trying to remember the exact it's it's been you, a little while a square button. The game. yes and um unfortunately there's also a chance that an enemy might get in the way and you'll end up comboing with the enemy that's right and increasing the power of their attack mm-hmm. so it's kind of a risk reward thing um, which is why you, if you can figure out how to do it, is why you want to get magic in the game, as that's a lot easier to to uh, accomplish combo with. I think because, if I remember right, they're a lot slower, so they're more likely to happen after the enemy attacks or something like that. Yeah, I've never been able to figure out the exact thing with speed of attack. Yeah, it's very it's very confusing. Like a lot of things. I'm still trying to figure out how to get magic. I'm just not really bothering with this particular run through. Yeah, because Benthus is not the biggest magic user. Yeah, ma- magic is magic user party apparently. 
magic is really difficult to figure out. Like I watched like uh, I think it was like three or four tutorial videos that somebody did on YouTube just about the magic system. Went to the game, got ready to do it, and had to go back because I couldn't because I was completely lost. Even though I went and played immediately after watching these videos, because you have yeah. to, you know, like well, at, I, when you mm-hmm. when you finish a quest, um, each of your characters um, characters have like I don't know what exactly to call this, but each characters have like a board with like certain bonuses on it. Yeah, the the panel bonus. Yes, board. and. and you, and there are seven spots on it. Yeah, and you have to place a new one after, right? You, it's it is required to place one at the end of each quest. It is, it is required. So regardless, you know, of, <laughs> yeah, regardless of it, that's a good idea or not. So, so there's different. Always, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yes. Go ahead. There's different ways to like combo uh, and really power up your character, and which can be completely ruined if you have. You know, because there's different ones that you'll get at the end of a quest, and you might not be able to keep whatever combo you have on a character's board. And were you going to say something about the boards? I was going to say it's best to keep one spot open as a, a junk square, just to keep switching out whenever. Yes. Um, but I was going to say, uh, at the end of some of these quests, you might get one of these, I think it's called like a magic tablet. Yeah, I just one. I just got one off of a regular battle about five oh. minutes ago. Yeah, I was quite surprised. That means <laughs> I've got surprising. three now. And I have nothing. I have no idea what to do with them. So you have to basically equip this on a character. That's that's step number one. And then what I don't think is ever really explained in the game is you have to get certain kinds of weapon weapons that I guess already have like magic attacks on them, which you yep. then need. To- which, which you then need to which use in a battle. Yes. <laughs> which you then need to use in a battle. And then after doing that, when you win a battle, you'll get the option to put points towards different magic spells from that tablet. And eventually, I think it takes a while, you learn magic off of that. Mm-hmm. But that, is, that, is, that has got to be the, the most convolu- convoluted way to learn magic in an RPG. Yes. And obviously, if you don't really understand the comboing system, the magic spells actually don't do as much damage as your weapon attacks. So, you know, if you don't understand that they're better for combos, you'll wonder why you just spent all that time getting magic. Mm-hmm. Uh, this, since, this game really needed at least lots of healing- tutorials. Oh, yes. Since healing is not necessarily the most, um, not as important in battle as it is with most games, um, you can actually get by without magic quite a lot. Yes, it's true. Yeah. (sighs) Oh, he's already putting himself to sleep talking about it. (laughs) Holy cow. Now, now, um, over, I, I I would like to disagree about the graphics. So I really did do like a lot of the character and monster designs for battle. Especially I when do, they go I do as up well. for attack. Um, they have some really fluid motion for some of these monsters. And it just looks really nice. 
I don't like the character portraits nearly as much, especially since I have to every time I go to town, I have to see Ventus grinning like a maniac. <laughs> I, I really don't like the, the stupid grin on his face. <laughs> yeah. Plus, I've played through so many games these days with character portraits. I would really like to see some changing portraits. You know, yeah, they're, so they're static. Yeah, that's, 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 that's starting to show up a bit. That I mean, that, could, that happens to this day. I was playing a newer game that they just use static portraits. I'm like, come on now. There's, there's, this is a Blu-ray disc, man. You, you can afford some different pictures on there. Wow. Well, for the... Yeah, for you the know, when, I, when I reviewed Metal Max... I was going to say, when I reviewed Metal Max 3, I made a specific point of saying that this game does not use character portraits, and this is a good thing. Nice. <sighs> yeah. Another reason to be sad about not having that game in English. Yes. I was going to say, for the Vita version of Disgaea 3, they actually went back and redid all the character portraits in that to make them not static, which is the nicest nice. touch in the game since they left all the original kind of ugly uh, sprites from the original version in there. I don't know. Maybe it's, I was expecting too much because, you know, I'm used to Square Enix, Final Fantasy X. Final Fantasy X was one of the first games I played, and I don't. I, I think that came out before Unlimited Saga. I'm not sure. Yeah. And and to this day, I can play Final Fantasy X. It is so... It is so gorgeous, not only from an artistic standpoint, in my opinion, but from the technical standpoint. For an early PlayStation 2 game, it totally blew the the, the, the ball out of the park. But uh, Unlimited Saga, you know, and the combats and stuff, it just... I'm, I'm expecting Square Enix, and I didn't get Square Enix. Uh, that's just... Now, I what think, you got was Pabazu. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I like... Oh, oh. I, I said before though I do like the character designs and stuff. I do like the artwork. It was just the the um I, I don't know, the the way it kind of all pulls together with some three D and two D graphics kinda of mixed together. Yeah, it is fluid, uh, for two D graphics compared especially when we're used to seeing those things that are just like you know, where you just see two two D characters fighting and they don't even move. They just flash or something. And you don't get that here. They actually you know, the enemies are flapping their wings and stuff and, and I mean that 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 that's pretty cool. It just it wasn't. It wasn't. It, it, after playing like something like Final Fantasy X or something, it just maybe my expectations were a little too high. I saw that square sticker on the front. <laughs> I wonder what the actual budget for Unlimited Saga was. It, it wasn't unlimited. I can tell you that. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't help myself. Well, I know the I music been... budget must have been really nice. <laughs> yeah, I was just listening to the music while you guys were talking. It's like, wow, this is amazingly good music in this game. Like. That must be where all the budget went. It made helping Colossus make this amazing... Not Colossus, I mean, Hamasu was the composer. Like, he just knocked it out of the ballpark with this one, the same he did with Saga Frontier 2. It's so great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have no complaints about the music. Fantastic. Yeah, I, but I do like the character design. That's pretty cool. I'm looking through some pictures right now. Still like it. Uh, so, awesome music... Um, anything else y'all can think about? Um, I really, really wish it had a manual about five times the size it came with. Now, if, if let's let, so let's assume that that the manual was there, or that the person buying this game had a, a few hours to read through the facts. <laughs> um, 
Is it is it is it yeah. a good game? Or is Avenge. it or is it too complicated for its own good or is it not balanced well because it has too many mechanics or what? Well, it, it's definitely too complicated for its own good, but it, it's kind of a case of if you get a handle on it, it's it actually isn't that hard to manipulate everything. It's, yeah, but does that make it fun? Yes. Yes. Eventually, eventually, you can extract some fun from this game, and you know, I think for people, especially for people that play like tabletop RPGs, I think they might enjoy the the way this game plays. You know, it's kind of just nice and simple uh, RPG exploration. No, you know. Ridiculously, you know, ridiculous graphics, just you know, straight down to the core and, RPG. And I guess for me, my frustration was that I came to it with it with that approach. I mean, I'm totally pen and paper. I knew that was that it was abstract, and I knew I knew a lot of that stuff kind of going in. And in fact, you know that the reasons why some of the some of the reasons that people were bashing against it were motivators for me to give it at least a, a good shot because you talk about pen and paper, you're at my alley. You talk about abstract walking dungeons, having things described to you, tell me what skills I have to use, you know, building up a team, a balanced team with different skills because you know you're going to be facing all these situations. Those are those are things that appeal to me. I even sort of like complicated systems. You don't get into a game like, you know, D&D without, uh, without having that traitor quality. But uh, maybe because I didn't have the, like you said, it'd been nice to have some tutorials. Uh, maybe because you're right, there was no tutorials, <laughs> and maybe that's maybe that's where I just totally got lost because I don't, I don't remember spending time with facts, and I do tend to have the tendency that's... that if you don't explain to me and it's not in the instruction book, I'm not going to take the time to look it up online. So, that... yeah, that was probably your issue right there because, yeah, manual was singularly uninformative. Yeah. So I think that's kind of... Yeah, it's the need to look up, get information about the game on GameFAQs seems to be kind of a unifying theme for all the Saga series, if you ask me. We can't get to that when we get to the next game, but... Yeah, but none of the games games are quite as bad as this one. This one's really impenetrable sometimes. Yeah, and and that's, that's kind of the sad part about this game, is you can have fun with it. It's actually pretty cheap to get the game. You have to learn how first. Yeah, now. but you know the game itself and the manual, nothing there helps you do that, and that's probably what turned off the vest. You probably turned off a lot of people that may have gotten some enjoyment out of this game. Um, now, if you want to have all the fun that Unlimited Saga can give you without the actual <laughs> – you guys are laughing. You already know it's coming. Uh, without the actual uh, – you know, if you want to see the really cool animations we've been talking about uh, in battle, the, 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 the 2D – you know, the pretty 2D graphics and the character designs, uh, listen to some of the awesome music and, uh, and see the game in motion without actually having to jump through 1,800 – hoops and 20 you know hours of faqs you can simply go on to youtube.com search for <laughs> let's play unlimited saga and let somebody else do oh, it for I'm, you <laughs> i'm sure that's a fair and balanced account of everything in this game he they are i'm just i just i'm I, he I, I got like up to 28 episodes of 10 minutes each of let's play unlimited saga 
Uh, you know, the the 2D graphics are pretty, though, I will say. Yeah, that part, yeah, the, the 2D part's pretty. It's the 3D that's surrounding it. That It would have been cool if the whole thing was 2D, I think. That would have been awesome. I always say that, you know, we could use more 2D again, graphics. Uh, and again, I'm disagreeing with, with you on the 3D graphics. But, <laughs> well. they, they really, uh, the textures and everything are just really bland compared to what you would see in a normal Square Enix effort. But the 2D graphics are better than I remember them being. I mean, I, I didn't give the 2D graphics. The, the characters when they're fighting and stuff, that is more pretty emotion. That That is pretty pretty. Yeah. I think the graphics are fine. I think the biggest issue with the game is they decide to use the R3 button. That really, <laughs> I, I really can't get off that. Wow, the R3 button. How many games use I that just, that guy? It, yeah, anytime the, the, the first time I played this game and saw the reference to the R3 button, I was like, okay, wait a minute, which one's the R3 button again? Yeah. Check, check. check. Wait a moment. Oh, you mean the, the joystick? That, those are buttons? Yeah. Yeah, yes. it's like the first. Any game that uses the R3 button simply needs to trim back its controls a little. That's my general rule for control schemes in games. Use the R3 button. You've got clean it up. You've got ten other buttons. Plus, you've got the directional pad in the upper left that's often used for inventory management or whatever have you. So you you literally have got fourteen other buttons on the controller to use. And it's a menu based game. And it's a menu based game. Yeah. Why can't they just put a heal option up there somewhere? Shit. Do you really need yeah. to use the R3? Yeah, ask yourself that before you do it. Do you really need to do this? I, I like this game, but I just cannot get over that fact. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, wait, they got... Oh, wait, up to 30, 35... Wow, 51! Wow, they've gone on for... Wait, what's five, uh, 50, uh, 500 minutes? That's six, seven hours so far. They just, yeah, that's <laughs> enough to finish one of the six, 66. Oh, we're up to 66. I wonder how many hours these guys put into it. Wow. Quite a lot if they did all seven. Well, I think the highest number I'm seeing is 67. So maybe they gave up after uh, eight hours or so. Oh, man. 68, 69, 70. Oh, 116. Woohoo! <laughs> wow. Yeah, someone's got a lot of time on their hands. It, you know how long it would take just to upload all these videos? Whew. Oh, God bless them. Alrighty. Well, any other uh, thoughts before we close out on this title, gentlemen? Um, oh, wow. This give is- it a try. Uh, I'm, it's I'm cheap. I'm both surprised and very happy that they still continued the Saga series after this one came out. <laughs> yeah, I don't... I, I think that this one single-handedly caused poor sales for the next one, uh, at least in the U.S. Yeah. I know that I know the next one still sold well in Japan. Yeah, well, next, for me, I the actually... next one sold well because it was a... I'll get this into this in a little bit, but not just a sm- minor remake of a classic Super Nintendo game. It was a massive... <laughs> like, wave the magic wand, make it all better, full-on... Oh, yeah, yeah, Full Body Contact remake. Oh, man. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah, I'll, I'll me, get into that in a moment. <laughs> yeah, for me, Unlimited Saga, just, it just turned me off things enough that I didn't actually get the next game until only very recently, actually. But Aww, Which I kind of agree, because the next game is very different from Unlimited Saga. But, yeah. 
Also, the advertising for Unlimited Saga was absolutely horrible. I can't believe they went that route. Okay, well, fair enough. We'll take a few minutes to recuperate, and we'll be back to talk about a little song. While you listen to a song or something. We'll be right back. Welcome back. We are ready to talk about Romancing Saga, um, or at least its enhanced remake uh, title for PlayStation 2, uh, which I believe was called Romancing Saga here in the United States, but also called Romancing Saga Minstrel Song somewhere else, maybe? Somewhere? Japan. In Japan. All right. This was developed by Square, published by Square Enix for the PlayStation 2 remake. Uh, That remake was released in North America on October 11, 2005, a single-player RPG experience rated E10, because we can't let our little nine-year-olds play these games. And um, this uh, this was distributed on a wondrous DVD realm. And I'm just kind of a little surprised because, as I was mentioning before the cast, um, you know, I've always said that next to maybe the computer, my favorite RPG console of choice is the PlayStation 2. I've got uh, more games on the PlayStation 2 than any other console, the the majority of those being uh, role-playing games of some sort. And uh, as such, I kind of pride myself on having a thorough collection and you know, keeping up on everything that came, but somehow this one flew right over my head. I, I don't ever remember seeing this in the stores. I don't remember reading reviews on it, um, much less even playing it myself. So, wow, I think you guys need to take me to school. Well, Mr. Baker, according yeah. to Miss Marcello, this might just be your favorite game of all time. Uh-oh. Is that accurate? Well, let's put it this way. Um, so back in 2005, I was walking through the... Uh, media center at, at Yodabashi Camera, and I saw this video coming up on the screen, and I was like, okay, it looks nice. Okay, Big Demon looks nice. And then I saw the light bulb go off over somebody's head, and they unleashed holy fury on the thing. And I realized, oh, this is Romancing Saga. And then four months later, I bought the game and my first PlayStation 2 at the same time. Uh-huh. Yeah. So yeah, it's definitely it was definitely good enough for it to be a system seller for me. How about that? I'll take that as a statement of effusive praise for it. Yes. But also, I really like the original series on the Super Nintendo. Not so much the original version of this game on the Super Nintendo because that was a buggy terror of <laughs> missing plot material. Um, but the second and third games in the series, I really liked and I really wanted to see what they could do if they were given the chance to finish the first game in the series. 
their first game in that trilogy. I think you're going to be able to tell us about the Super Famicom ones a little bit Okay, later. let's start with Super Famicom, ju- just to give some perspective here. Okay. The Super Famicom version was produced with the first uh, um, generation of Super Nintendo cartridges with limited memory. So Kawazu was not able to put everything into the game that he wanted to. So um, the plot revolved around this ancient god of destruction and how his followers wanted to resurrect him by finding these ten jewels that his power had been trapped inside. But in the Super Famicom version, three of these jewels were not actually in the game. <laughs> they had to, they had to oh, cut man. out almost 30% of the game's material because of size limitations, and they couldn't get permission to use the higher-capacity cartridge. They couldn't get permission from Nintendo. Well, that sounds very much like Nintendo policy. Yep. And plus, um, they were trying all these other really odd, novel things with the game structure, like um, with, well, for example, with weapons, each weapon had up to four attacks associated with it, but you had to keep using the weapon over and over again to unlock these attacks. However, as soon as you unequipped the weapon, you lost the attacks. Ooh. Even if you put the thing back on right afterwards. So yeah, there were plenty of issues. Um, Also, this is one of the first games I've ever seen oldest game I've ever seen that had enemy sprites on the game map tracking you down and they didn't quite get this right either because uh, um, all of the enemy sprites would lock onto your location and start converging on you after about a minute (laughs) so you you would enter into an area you'd be walking along and suddenly you would see this wall of monsters coming straight at you I always like getting beaten to a pulp with no chance to survive don't you? Pretty much, um, yeah. So this game had lots of interesting ideas. They weren't quite sure what to do with a lot of them yet. And then they got a chance to make it better for PlayStation 2. A lot better. A lot better. Okay. So, okay. Okay. Um, we'll Tell us how. Tell us how. Oh, okay, well, they, they int- I mean, it's just things like, I mean, a lot of this is stuff that they introduced incrementally for the rest of the series, like having each type of enemy sprite have its own movement patterns, its own way of reacting to the player's presence or not reacting, as the case may be. Um, yeah, but all they the also different enemies have very different behaviors in Romance and Saga, which make it kind of tricky to dodge sometimes, harder, to, easier to dodge than other ones. It's kind of an interesting game you have to play with them. Trying to figure yeah. out, oh, that's a plant, you need to run from it because it'll run straight at you and then we want curve to follow you and stuff like that. Yeah. Also, um, the Romancing Saga for PlayStation 2 added field skills, which hadn't been present in any of the other games. And so things like, uh, so you could use things like um, quiet walking to avoid enemies with good hearing, like plants, for some reason. Or you could, um, I mean, there were different skills that would affect specific enemy types that would help you avoid them better. Yeah. uh, And apparently, oh yeah, yes, Nathan? Yeah. I just thought, except for I think fungus or something like there's one enemy type which you just can't avoid with those skills, but like everything else is that you can like use your the various covert skills to avoid sneaking mm-hmm. or being avoiding hit, being seen or hurt. Mm-hmm. This is basically the game which tried to at the time be the summation of all the previous saga games, taking bits and pieces from all of the previous ones to varying degrees, mm-hmm. and it kind of rather works as that. It even takes some of the good stuff from Limited Saga and you know. By taking it out of Limited Saga, it just makes it better in its own way. 
So I kind of like the mm-hmm. game as a whole because of that. Yeah. Plus, they actually had a chance to use almost the entire story. I think there was only one thing that they cut out from the Super Nintendo release, and that was a minor side character for one of the main... Uh, actually, from the smallest of the main plot lines. Uh, which so. character plot? Um, there was a minor party member who would who could join um, Barbara, the dancer's party, and she had a small amount of story attached to her, and I mean, you could only get this character as Barbara in the original game, and she was so minor that they cut her out of the PlayStation remake. That's and it. I think that was, the, that was the only thing that they actually cut. Huh. They mostly added stuff. And added Lots and of added stuff and from what added I can gather. <laughs> yeah. It was like, we're, we're talking about how Unlimited Saga has um, Dungeons and Dragons type stylings to it. Well, Romancing Saga. It, it really feels like this was Kawazu's personal D&D campaign at one point because he has he wrote out an entire mythology behind this game. <laughs> and, and a lot of it is only referenced in specific high-level equipment. It, it says, like, Gauntlet of such and such. And you read in the description, such and such was the old goddess of love. And so he, he has this backstory involving this titanic struggle between the original gods of the world and the goddess of darkness and evil and how in the middle of this great battle the, the goddess took her sword and she cut she made a cut across one of her hands and created the god of light to be an ally for her which um you know the expression light is the left hand of darkness have anybody heard that one no no not really it, it's a buddhist thing it was also the title of the ursula k Le Guin novel um but yeah that there was a reference to that so she she cut her left hand and created the god of light, and the god of light turned on her um, and helped defeat the goddess, killed her, broke her body into bits. And but the world was so badly damaged that the rest of the gods just finally gave up on it. They moved on, and the only gods to remain were the god of light and the goddess of the earth, who got married and had an entire new generation generation of gods eventually and so the actual plot starts about a thousand years before the game starts where the three biggest parts of the goddess of darkness that fell to earth regenerated as three separate deities and so you had the god yeah you had the god of death just because death Zeus sounded really cool in japanese apparently and then the yeah, sorrowing <laughs> yep sorrowing god of destruction and the, and the youngest sister Shirak. Yeah. Who uh, I think every time I, you start always... up the hmm? every time you start yeah. up the game, the you, you, you start a new character. You can talk to the minstrel, the, a character you find in any bar, and you'll kind of go over the story of what happens with Death, Sarwin, and Shirak and the battle against them in kind of nice detail with the good narration and music and some pretty pictures. Yeah, I was I actually like... just watching that, and it's really cool, really cool. Yeah. Obviously, not yeah. listening to it, but. Yeah. But yeah, this is a game with a lot of mythology behind it, and it really doesn't need all this mythology, but it's kind of cool that it, it's there, even. So. Yeah, I always like it when they do that with a game. You know, build in mythology, even if you don't necessarily need it, because, you know, being able to, you know, kind of poke around and find all these little details, it makes, makes the world feel a lot, more, a lot deeper and a lot more interesting. And, and you can certainly... Think... Go ahead. It, it, 
and you, there'll certainly be a lot of instances where you're kind of not sure where to go and just kind of exploring the world. And I think those aspects really, really help out. Yeah, and this, I think this game does it a bit better than some because a lot of the stuff you see actually has some amount of importance in the game. There's, they talk about these crazy places, you can go to them. Right? They talk for this strange little side story, which is kind of cute, but otherwise not important. And suddenly it's actually a, telling the story of a recruitable side character and stuff like that. It's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. And one other thing I really like that they did with the remake, uh, in the original game, most of the towns were ridiculously generic looking, even the major ones. <laughs> but um, but they, they changed that for the remake. And so you have like these incredibly Baroque Oriental style palaces on the lake or this gigantic Teutonic fortress built into the side of a mountain. And they did not look nearly this good in the original game. Um, and then I mean, there was... The, yeah. Uh, it's kind of low budget in this game. It's not Final Fantasy X level graphics. It's cheaper and not as pretty, but there's still some pretty cool designs and cool concepts behind all of it. Yeah, it's it's actually aged pretty well. I've been playing it on an HD TV, and although sometimes the locales look a little iffy, uh, on the whole, it, it, it looks pretty nice, mm-hmm. you know, especially compared to a lot of the... Uh, uh, lower budget games I've played on like PS3 and 360. It it you know it looks it's got a good look to it and you know it doesn't look terrible in on an HD TV. I think a lot but of yeah, people didn't. I think a lot of people complained about the character models, but I I think they're pretty nice. Yeah, I think grow on you a little. I mean, it seems a little weird at first, but it kind of it's like. You know, just mixing a limited saga and saga frontier and putting it into three D and looking and everything look good. So, yeah, actually, it, it, it's like exactly. they, it's like they took it's like they took the old style of character sprites from like even Final Fantasy VI and just translated that into a three D character model. If you look at the, uh, I think somewhere on the site we used to have um, like experimental three D models for a lot of the Final Fantasy VI characters that they produced back before Final Fantasy VII, mm-hmm. and so you had a character model for Locke, and another one for Celeste, and another one for Terra, and they looked a lot like the Romancing Saga characters in play proportion, with the, the big head and the smaller body. Hmm. Yeah. Also, this is, this is probably a random comparison, but oddly enough, when I first played Xenoblade, the models in that rather strongly reminded me of the Romancing Saga models for some reason. Less super deformed style, but still... Seeing the way they are built and shaded and such look, remind me very much of it. I can see that actually a little bit. Hmm. Kind of have this. Kind of have a similar coloring. And of course, then there's also the actual character art that you find in the manual or the a lot of the promotional stuff that looks really beautiful. I, I, I'm a really big fan of the character design artist for this series. Yeah, it's definitely one of the good things they took from Limited Saga is they have. Cool watercolor designs and detailed character designs that are colorful and interesting. No, I mean the actual character art. Um, I mean that's some holdover from the Super Nintendo days, actually. Uh, I thought they redesigned all the characters. I thought they redesigned almost all the characters. Yeah, but between a lot of them still look the same. Or they look, it's the same artist. I see. Hmm. Okay, well, um, what else would you like to say about this story? Kind of glazed over that well, a little bit. 
Basically, there's a bunch of different main characters. There's eight in this game, four male, four female, and the basic story is that all of them have their own ways they start off in their story. Some are very simplistic, like uh, Barbara's a dancer. She's just out on the frontier. She has a dance, and so the mysterious minstrel just gives her one of these items, the Fate Stones, and thus she sets herself on her journey. Basically, there are the ten objects, the Fate Stones, and eight heroes, and eight heroes just basically go out with their own stories are basically asked to find the fate stones in kind of roundabout way to, on the goal that, to stop the three minions of Sorrowing and the evil gods of destruction Sorrowing himself. And then they venture around until you can face Sorrowing in battle and defeat him, and that's the end of the game. Hmm. Nothing too deep. A lot of interesting side stories along the way. A lot of it starts, I mean, they all start out in really different ways, like Albert, uh, um, the prince, his story starts out when one of the minions leaves a full-on assault on his family castle and wrecks the place and he barely escapes with his life. And another character named Claudia, uh, um, her original quest has nothing to do with the Fate Stones as far as it's, or at first glance, because she's asked to find a cure for the king's disease, for his illness. Is that just a side story? It's actually mandatory for hers. It's actually mandatory for her, and as it turns out it, it involves getting the Moonstone um, and it's also pr- it's also probably the hardest quest in the entire game, other than maybe getting the jewel beast defeated. But yeah, it's not easy to do on your first uh, run. Nah, hmm. I know I was found Gray's harder because of the uh, of the uh, item sense requirements. But, yeah, yeah, I did Gray's quest, doing both the sword. I mm-hmm. got the sword, his sword, did the king's illness, and took on the jewel beast in his quest, and that was not easy, but it was a lot of fun, and I really liked the game because of. How fun that could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Romancing Saga is one of those games where theoretically you can do everything on... Theoretically you can do most of it in one run. Um, there's some things that require a new game plus once or twice in order to access. But like actually the... doing everything in one run is... Yeah, that's a doozy. Okay, yeah. wait, let's get the story done first, then I'll explain why it's a doozy. But there's a cool, few other cool characters, like there's Hawk, who's... A pirate. You start off at the beginning of his adventure pirating. Then the other pirates kind of get together and kick him out because they hate him. Because there's an evil pirate and he's a good pirate. And well, kind of. He's actually got the best character at getting the evil ending, I think. Or, yeah. No, maybe that's actually great, but I can't remember. Yeah. And yeah. then just that starts him off in his adventure. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. Gray's just out fighting on an island full of dinosaurs and samurai, trying just collecting treasure and having fun. This. Jamil the Thief, who's... Well, the, his origin story involves cross-dressing. It's a lot of fun. <laughs> uh, then there's yeah. Aisha, the girl whose story involves her getting kidnapped and being rescued from being useless, which is rather opposite to some of the more powerful characters. Uh, who am I forgetting? There's Barbara the Dancer. Or, yeah. um, there's Sith, who's this barbarian Valkyrie from the southern Iceland. And she, has, she rescues Albert when, his, when the ship he's on crashes into the into the fjord. Um, who else is there? Um, oh, oh, we're missing one. Okay, no, we've done Gray, Claudia, yeah, Hawk, Biff, Jamil, Jamal, whatever you um, Aisha, Albert, and Bar- Barbara. Okay, never mind, we've done a light. Okay, yeah, that's all of them. So it's, it's a really interesting mixed group and a very interesting mixed selection of kingdoms in this game too 
I mean, yeah, you have an island things. covered in jungles and full of lizard people, and then you have another island that has dinosaurs and a pseudo-Okinawa civilization, and then you have one area that looks like it's based off of the Byzantine Empire, another one that's like Renaissance Italy, another one that's pseudo-Teutonic, and then one that's... Then you've got the frontier on the west. And then the frontier. It's just and a bunch of shacks. And that yep. a bunch of shacks that's basically doomed to get completely wiped out by a super powerful monster. Sucks to be <laughs> if you don't, if you don't manage to do the do that set of quests quite, um, quickly enough, it's possible to get rid of the jewel beast that wakes up. It's just yeah, really hard. You pretty much need a dedicated go through just to that. I think. Yeah, yeah. You have to know what you're doing in order to beat the jewel beast before it actually wakes up. In which case, jewel beast. Oh, I can't remember exactly what this thing looks like. I'm remembering a giant orange diamond-studded toad. Is that about yeah, what it looks like? Yeah, basically sums it up. That and has an attack which you can basically single... You'll shot the entire party no matter how strong you are. Yep. And it... I mean, there are three towns on the frontier, and it systematically takes out all three. Walk into one town, and then suddenly, oh, there's a giant, ugly really, really, really giant toad sitting in the middle of what used to be this town. Oh, boy. Yep. It just, yep. <laughs> the first time I ever saw it is just in the middle of the, the last town it destroyed. It's like, wow. I completely missed on the entire frontier. Hmm. <laughs> yep. Um, well, i tell you what. Looking at, uh, looking at some uh, movies of the game while you were talking, um... Well, I I tell you what, we, I was bragging about how the two D the char- how I like the two D character uh, sprites and animation in um, Unlimited Saga. Was that Unlimited Saga? I, I get these things so mixed yeah. up. Um, yes. This looking at the ones in this game, it's like they capture that exact same feel, uh, but in three like the characters are done in three D. They're they're not two D sprites. They're they're totally three D, but mm-hmm. they capture that two D artistic uh, feel to them. Uh, the, the, they do have, like you said, the the bigger you know heads, uh, you know, which you would you know harkens back to definitely harkens back to those sixteen uh, bit uh, RPG days of Final Fantasy four and the such. So that's either a hit or a miss depending on your own preference. There, I think it's kind of cute, um, but yeah, they definitely have the the style is really done really nicely. Um, the, uh, the 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 when they were running around on the field, that looked pretty good too. Unfortunately, the three videos that GameSpot has features them in rather um, unflattering combat environments because the environments <laughs> themselves still look kind of very, very bland. But that might just be because mm-hmm. I couldn't find very many videos, so it may just be that they just happen to pick some, you know, boring environments like the snowfield. Well, one of them they're mm-hmm. just in this void, which I guess could be a boss fight or something. But it's it looks completely voidish. The other ones are eh, okay. The PlayStation Two, I guess. But the but the the character and the monster sprites. I mean, they got like that two D fluid animation prettiness thing going on to them, even though mm-hmm. they're three D. So that, that's pretty pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. yeah. If you want to talk about yeah, cool enemies, the... this game has definitely quite a few. Like, if you can find a video from the battle against the four dragons, that'd be a good one because those things are just. Gigantic and impressive looking, and a lot of cool to watch fight. Or, or one of the minion battles, like the minion battle in front of the Two Moon Temple. Yeah, that had, really, had a really cool in- introductory sequence, and then the battle. And yeah, the, the minions battle music is one of my favorite tracks in the game. Yeah, just any of the basically the music in this game is great. 
It's very different than Unlimited Sagas. Unlimited, this is a different composer, Kenji Ito, than the previous two Saga, game, two saga games. He's actually they're reusing this, the composer from Saga Frontier, and it sounds great and exciting and lots of like guitar. And Ito stuff like did that. the music for most of the series, and so he took a lot of the tracks from his original Romancing Saga composition, and then and reworked them, and then gave and then got together his own rock group, rock band. And, to do a lot of the tracks live re- in live recording, and I, I think the guitar soloist was given free reign at a couple points in the middle of the, the, the regular co- um, battle themes to just <laughs> yeah. jam, I mean, and, definitely, and they just recorded uh, the, it as it was. Yeah, definitely the boss battle themes in this game are great. Either the, ba- the song for fighting the three minions, which I can never quite remember the name of. There's the battle against the four dragons. The Written Invitation to Death, the battle against the god out of death, is a really cool theme, even though I never actually heard it in game. And the final battle theme against Sorrowing is just crazy good. It's just all kinds of epic, awesome rock music for the, this game. Hmm. I, I'd say this game is one of the, in the in the West, one of the most underrated gems on the system. It's one of the most unknown gems on this system. I. It's true. I sit around reading reviews. I mean, when I'm bored and stuff. I mean, that's one of the reasons why I, I joined RP Gamers because I re- spent so much time reading all the reviews. Isn't this the game? Someone on our forums a while back had a problem with walking up to fight a dinosaur and getting immediately creamed. Yeah, don't walk up to dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah. If yeah. the start is gray, then you can get yourself creamed by a dinosaur really early in the game. You don't mess yeah, with this... dinosaurs. <laughs> this this game is kind of the old school approach of it doesn't hold your hand, so you can wander into areas you probably shouldn't be in yet. Like uh, one time, I wandered onto a boat in the middle of a lake and got destroyed by a giant octopus or something. Oh, the Crystal Lake Temple! I remember yep. that yep. thing. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> so, or you know, getting to a fight against an impressively powerful mummy really early in the game. Yeah. But uh, don't mm-hmm. people usually complain about Japanese RPGs being too easy and too handholdy? Yes, people yeah, but that's until they, they have to play the opposite, and then they and then they're like, realize, oh. oh, no, I don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah, well, this game could use some more explanation. Certainly, the game really needed to explain its event rank system a heck of a lot better than it did, because that's kind of key from what I mentioned a bit earlier. Because this game, just as you fight battles, there's this ever small chance that... And just when this happens, new quests open up and old quests close. So basically, as you go through the game and fighting battles, uh, things change in the game world, which, if you're not prepared for this to understand, it can be really confusing and can be really problematic. You can miss out on all kinds of key things or fail the quest you're on, even. And so, yeah, it's something you really absolutely need to pay attention to, and the game doesn't really tell you need to, and it's actually really hard to pay attention to this at times. Unless you have a fat guiding, even then it can be tricky. So, yeah, be careful with that. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. Okay. Well, wow. Color me impressed uh, to find out about this uh, little gym that's out there. Let's see here. Our good friends at eBay says that you can get this all the way from... Uh, let's see, one guy selling it with a disc only for 8 bucks plus shipping and handling, and that goes all the way up into the uh, mid-30s or so if you want it, quote-unquote, brand new and in the shrink wrap. 
I often wonder if people selling like a 10-year-old game still in the shrink wrap. Well, it's not 10 years old. I guess it's like <laughs> seven years old. If they just didn't take some saran wrap and just use a hair dryer to make it look. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah, I mean, you got a full, depending on, uh, most of the used copies are about 15, uh, in the ballpark, are about 15 uh, to 20 bucks. So. I got this game new for 20 bucks a week after it came out, which was wow. kind of, de- which was kind of depressing, actually. Weird. Yeah. Wow. I don't it does think mean that the Square Enix well surcharge went away. Well, I yeah, think it went I've... back up eventually, but well, I think part of the problem is that I mean, Meta wasn't nice to it. It's got a 56 Meta. Um, I just I have to call it like I see it. 23 Metacritic reviews for oh, I'm sorry, 58. And uh, but the on uh, GameSpot's uh, website, I like to use that for user scores. Um, that one's at 76. So people who actually played the game <laughs> seem to enjoy it. Uh, 76 is is pretty good, uh, especially given its uh, its predecessor. <laughs> maybe I think maybe that's um, yeah. Hmm. Interesting. 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 So I think uh, it sounds like you guys really had fun with it. Yeah, it mm-hmm. took me a little while to get into, and this is definitely a game where it's basically designed that you're gonna have a failed first run that you're gonna abandon like near the end of. It literally seems to build itself around this idea that you're gonna fail your first attempt and then go through and play the game after reading some facts and do it better. <laughs> it's kind of weird that way, but that's how it is. And so yeah, I more... know I, I beat him my first. I beat Sorry my first time through, but I didn't go for the extra challenge. Well, you're like also a veteran of, of the saga. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but get this, guys. Um, in the final dungeon, you can actually sacrifice the um, the fate stones to make Sauron more, more powerful, and then fight him. <laughs> yeah, and if you have more, and if you actually fail fate stone quests, you'll become more powerful. The first time through the game, he's actually locked to being his weakest difficulty, but after that, I hear ten fate stones Arwing is extremely hard. Yeah, he he actually made Edge out the egg from Saga Frontier 2 as the hardest final boss in the series, possibly. Oh, speaking of the egg, I think that this, yeah. ge- the, this game actually references the egg in various ways because it has a series of weapons that are all inspired by the final bosses of previous games. But I think they kind of mixed together yeah. the egg, yeah. Death Eclipse from Thrones in Saga 3, I think. I'm a little confused why. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That could just be a, an issue with the translation. Possibly. Hmm. I know it references uh, yeah. the heroes from Saga, Romance in Saga 2. I'm not sure what else. This game has a, has a pretty decent translation, which is surprising considering I doubt they were given a lot of time or budget. Yeah, and, the, and especially it's got voice acting for everyone. And how non linear the thing is. Yes. Yeah, the voice acting is pretty good. Nothing exceptional, but nothing you know that's going to trait your ears out. Which is nice. Yeah, nothing. So few, nothing offensive. Yeah, a few weird moments, like what an underground area where everyone will say the same thing, and every character has a different voice, which they start sounding weird after a while. They have this weirdest way of saying it for each character. <laughs> like Hail Warrior of Nisa or something like that. Yeah, Warrior of Nisa. I, it sounded weird in in Japanese too. Okay. Wow. Well, go, definitely uh, everyone should go and check that out. I, I wow, like I said, I'm impressed. You guys have taken taken me to school today, so that's <laughs> awesome. 
All right. Have you played this game, Phil? I haven't even known. I didn't know about it before you started talking about it tonight. <laughs> I didn't even know it. That's why I'm so surprised because, like I said, aside from the aside from the computer, the PlayStation Two is my my favorite console, and I kind of pride myself on knowing, uh, you know, all the games on there. And uh, yeah, that one just—I never knew they had a, a Romance and a Saga remake on the PlayStation Two, and that it was actually good. So, and I, I think a little bit has to do with that. I think the reason why I also kind of looked it up is I, I have this really bad tendency of not reading reviews if the meta is like in the sub yeah. fifty range. You know, you just kind of skip those guys. So, oh, that's that's a shame. But you, if if I, I must have missed like an RP gamer review, I usually try to read all those, even the bad ones. Uh, somehow I just missed this guy. So, oh, cool beans. Well, I will I will go. What's that? Let's let's note what what the official RP Gamer review title is for this game. This, <laughs> this is not Unlimited Saga. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. Well, I will I will definitely get my order in for my uh, eBay copy here very shortly. Um, and I recommend that some of our listeners do the same if they're into retro gaming, because this looks like a really cool little retro game to get into. Absolutely. I mean, this is classic JRPG stuff. Looks good. Uh, looks like it plays good, especially if you put a little time into it. So uh, that looks uh, – it just uh, – from all accounts, listening to you guys talk, looking at uh, what I'm seeing on here, it seems like a much, much easier recommend than Unlimited Saga. So – Good job, guys. Uh, we'll be uh, right back after these messages, after I make some purchases. <laughs> and we'll wrap this up tonight with the final lap. I forgot that we're actually doing an import corner tonight. So no final app just yet. We're going to do an import corner because I guess there's some other romancing saga games that never made it here stateside. How rude. So, who's going to take this ball and run with it? Well, who here has actually played these games? Not me. I have a little, a little bit. Uh, I'm not going to say how. Various versions that I'm not going to talk about either. Yeah, I've played three. <laughs> I've played uh, one... Uh, and three. Not really any of two. Well, I know Mr. Baker did a retro review for two, so I think he's qualified to talk about that game. Yeah, I've definitely played through the game enough times at this point. Okay, so, yeah, yeah remember all the stuff we said about the mythology and romancing saga? He didn't really bother with that as much as any other game in the series, unfortunately, but uh, romancing saga 2 has an interesting backstory to start with. So, Unknown amount of time in the past, literally all hell broke loose. Um, this ancient civilization did some weird magic thing that's never quite explained, but they were apparently trying to ascend to a higher level of reality, and instead they opened up a hell mouth by accident. 
Whoops. Yes, whoops. And this is, I mean, this is one of the central parts of the plot. In fact, most of the actual game plot goes into giving backstory involving this event. And so the seven greatest heroes of the ancient times came together and, and they just beat the demons back, push, um, killed everything in sight, pushed the forces of evil back through the Hellmouth, and then the Hellmouth was, was closed. Unfortunately, um, at the time, there was some political disagreement as to how best to continue because the politicians still wanted to continue with the dimensional magic experiments and try to ascend to a higher plane. And the seven heroes were very, very obviously against anything of the sort because they didn't want to have to clean up any more messes. And so when they closed the Hellmouth, the politicians conveniently made sure that the heroes were on the wrong side when it happened. Yeah, don't trust the politician. <laughs> yeah. However, we don't, re we don't really find this out for quite a while into the game. Uh, all that's known at the start of the game is that the seven heroes defeated the demons, that they drove back the forces of darkness, and then that they were lost in the final battle. But that, um, from there on, there was a kind of a legend, and I think it's based off of the, the Seven Sleepers legend from Europe, where in a time of crisis, the seven heroes would return to the land. And... Um, that happens at the very start of the game. The seven heroes return in a time of crisis. Unfortunately, they're the crisis because apparently they were just so badass that when they realized that they were locked in hell, that they'd been betrayed, they conquered hell uh. and, and then led a second invasion to get revenge on their former uh, allies. Except it's been about a thousand years or so in the real world, so they don't know where to find their own people anymore. Or their own, the ancient civilization actually managed to finally move on to another plane of reality. So they're doing their best to take their frustrations on the continent while trying to find out what happened to their former comrades. I imagine taking out their frustrations goes pretty well when they conquered hell. Oh, yeah. So... Um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting game. It's a generational game. So the actual player characters have almost no storyline. It, um, the storyline is very NPC-oriented, and the seven heroes actually get more story and more plot to them than anybody else. Hmm. Yeah. Sounds pretty interesting. Yeah. Um, it's, it's still largely non-linear, but it's more sectionalized. So one region will have its own set of stories and another region will have a different set of stories it's not as mixed up and hard to follow as Romancing Saga was and there aren't as many places where you can screw yourself over there's two or three but it's not really possible it's usually not possible to lock yourself out of a plot line usually hello so, why did we not get this awesome-sounding game? Blame it on Square. I have no idea. This is S We didn't get a lot of cool games. Yeah, yeah I mean, the, the game was published in 1992. <laughs> the year we did not get Final Fantasy V, remember? Yeah. Oh, yes. And which is a shame, because it actually looks a lot better than Final Fantasy V in a lot of respects. Like, Final Fantasy V was still using the, the super-deformed sprites on the game map and things like that. And... In this game, the battle sprites are used for everything for the characters. So it's it, you know, kind of like Final Fantasy. There's a much more consistent look to it throughout. 
So yeah, oh, that and does sound like six. Yeah, yeah, and came out well before yeah, it, it, six. Yeah, it. Yeah, it's got it's got more of Final Fantasy IV's color palette with some things that didn't happen until Final Fantasy six in terms of sprite use. Um, and things like the monsters. I mean, there's definite group, um, like families of monsters, but they'll do things like they'll they won't just palette swap a monster. They'll switch it face, switch the direction it's facing. They'll switch equipment. They'll basically Photoshop bits of different monsters together into a new form, and so you end up with a really really wide variety of enemy types. Hmm. And this isn't even going into the bosses. And some of the bosses are just insane. Like, um, among the seven heroes, you have this demonic goblin-like thing with a screaming shield that tries to bite you. The, the shield tries to bite you. Um, there's this, like, pygmy mummy-looking guy who controls a giant marionette. There's this one character who's technically supposed to be a guy, but you can't tell by looking at him. And since and since you get a full frontal look at this guy, it's yeah, you can't tell by looking at him, but he's half butterfly now. And that particular enemy would probably have to have been altered significantly to get past Nintendo's no religious references rule, because <laughs> in it, yeah, m- most of these most of the seven heroes had multiple forms depending on how far along in the game you'd progressed when you actually got to them, so. The, the Wagonus, the Butterfly Guy's second form, included a flaming Alpha and Omega sign on each wing, a crown of thorns, and he was crying blood. Oh. Yes. yes. From the company that made the, the spell holy be changed to white, I don't think that would have flown. Or Pearl. Don't forget Pearl. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, Pearl. <laughs> Methinks you are right that Nintendo would not have let that pass. Yeah. Yeah, it's not quite as big an issue as um, like Shin Megami Tensei would have been, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, you can laugh here. I, I, you know, I they, wouldn't they have to completely, completely alter Shin Megami Tensei to even have brought it over here? <laughs> I don't even yeah, know how I, much I, you could I, alter I, it. I yeah, I but okay, but continuing on, um, yeah, I. I I said a lot of this in my review of it about two years ago, but for Romance and Saga, there were a lot of firsts in this game. This was the first game to have the light bulb mechanic, where Angry characters Glimmer. learned, yeah, where characters learned attacks in mid battle. There was um, every time a character attacked with a weapon, there was a small chance based on the character's skill level, the current battle rank level, and the enemy's level, um, that you would learn a new skill. And it was always, I mean, it usually happened at the best possible time against some massive boss. But you just see a little light bulb go on, on and then suddenly, psh, massive damage. So, so, which was always good. And then there was also, um, like Romancing Saga, the, the first had a positioning system, but Romancing Saga 2 actually had a group formation system where each formation had different bonuses or a specific specific turn order, or it would concentrate most of the at- enemy attacks on one character, which is good because this game also had a lot of counter-attack op- options. So it was, it was a lot of fun to play with this, and 
there was, I can't remember how many character classes were there, maybe close to 40 character classes. Wow. Yeah. So, and, and each character class had cycled through a series of eight different specific characters, each one with their own name and their own specific stats, but they would inherit, um, they would inherit skill levels as each generation progressed. So, so you were always guaranteed to have stronger characters later in the game, even if you had never actually used that character class before. I want this game in English. <laughs> yeah, I want the yeah. idiot to the remake. Remake, remake, yeah. remake. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of the last, the very last paragraph in my review. I said that if, if and when this game is announced for a remake, I am buying that game. I don't care if I don't not have the system to play that game. I'm going to buy the system as well. <laughs> okay, the, the Saga Three remake. While, came out while, I, when? while I'm also praying that it's going to be for PlayStation Three or 3DS. If it's for Vita, screw it, I'm getting a Vita. <laughs> I think we can guarantee it will not be for 360. Yeah, that goes kind of goes to that saying. Um, and hopefully not a random DS game that we would then certainly never get over here. And it probably won't be for Wii U either. Probably not. Well, it's been all quiet on the Saga front for a little while. Maybe that'll change. Yeah, um, I hope. I was just noticing how they announced the Saga 2 and Saga 3 remakes for the 20th anniversaries of each game, and romancing Saga 2's 20th anniversary would be about this year. <gasps> oh. so I'm, I, I've been holding my breath every time I buy a Famitsu magazine for the last year. <laughs> nope. <laughs> Come on, this time, let it be. No, not now. Oh. Well, don't, be a, don't be a cell phone remake. Don't be a cell phone remake. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah, just... just... And that leaves us. Remakes have been so massive that, yeah, I mean, like, like Final Fantasy Legend 3's remake is a complete game experience. Yes, it actually vastly improved upon the original, and don't ask for Max Storm's opinion on that. (laughs) Though he'll give it if you ask. (laughs) That's why we aren't asking. Uh, well, that leaves just one romancing saga, doesn't it? Romancing Saga 3. Romancing Saga 3, which actually does have a translation patch of variable quality. That's variable a, is very generous. Yes, this is a very, very generous way to put it. I think I saw a screenshot from it that looked like someone who did not speak English as his first or second language had been trying to translate it on behalf of someone who also did not speak English as his first language. Translation would be a generous word. No, I said try. Localization. Localization, that's the issue. <laughs> so I'm guessing that it's considerably easier to play this in Japanese then. If you speak Japanese, yes. But yeah. Well, even... I think I'd rather play it in Japanese and not bother to try and figure out the nuances than look at text that makes no sense whatsoever. If it's not going to make any sense either way, might as well go with Japanese, yeah. It's formatted better. (laughs) (laughs) Also, what the screens have told me is that this is one of those really good-looking Squaresoft games from the later Super Nintendo years. Yeah, Yeah, this one one is probably a little better than Final Fantasy VI when it comes to actual graphics. Yeah, it's somewhere between Fantasy Six and Chrono Trigger, though more Six than Chrono Trigger. A little yeah. cheaper than Especially Six. Especially the character models. It's cheaper, but looks quite good. I guess is the way I'd put it. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the backstory for Romancing Saga 3 is uh, about every 200 years or so, there's this mass, there's this major eclipse of the sun. And at that time, again, a portal to hell will open up and the energies from this portal kill every first, um, every infant being, um, no matter what species, on the planet. So in case of humanity and anything with a life cycle resembling humanity, every child of less than a year of age dies because of this eclipse. However, 400 years ago, one child survived. And this child grew up to become a leader known as the Demon King. And he assembled a great army, massive magical powers, and he assaulted the Hellmouth, and he just took that sucker out. And then 200 years later, when the eclipse happened again, the demons of hell were rather ticked off about this, and so they kept the thing open after the eclipse happened. And again, one child survived the eclipse, and he grew up to become a leader known as the Saint King, and he gathered his own forces, his own magical equipment, and he closed the hell mouth that time. And so now, the current iteration, um, the eclipse happened about 16 years ago at the time the game starts. And again, demons are starting to run around. It's obvious that the, that the hell gates are still open again, the abyss gates. And um, at this point, there's uh, one, the surviving child is – actually, there were three surviving children this time. And one of them is a mem- one of them is part of your starting party, but there's also these twelve items left over from the Demon King and Saint King's reigns that are that could be very useful. You don't have, you don't even have to track these things down, but they're very very nice items. Uh, but the entire point is you have to have to find and close the four abyss gates: Earth, Wind, Fire, and Water, and then take on the Master Gate wherever it might be, and defeat the um it's usually the final boss is usually called the destroyer but the japanese the way the, the way it's written in japanese would probably translate translate better as the one that destroys if um if you want to be picky but really cool battle really cool battle hmm. well since we have no formal translation of it i think we can call it whatever we want <laughs> within yeah. reason so, well i always refer to it as the one who destroys hakai Suramono. That does sound more formal than simply destroyer, which makes yeah. me think of a naval vessel. Yeah. Destroyer as would be more like Hakaisha. So, oh, oh well, it's you know, six to one, half dozen the other, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Maybe Square will do us the favor of remaking it, and then we'll get an official translation, which we can pick over endlessly. Mm-hmm. Again, one can hope. Yeah, this seems really kind of cool in many ways. Mm-hmm. Yep. So how does it play? Very well. Um, again, it's it's a lot like Romancing Saga 2, where you have the set formations, you have the characters. The characters all have set stats, but their skill levels increase. And so its skill level is much more important than actual stats, even though stats help determine which weapons they're best at um also if you use a if you use a weapon attack enough times the character that attack will be mastered and then you can share it with other characters which is very convenient in romancing saga 2 you can only do that through uh 
technique trainer one generation after you learn original attack. So it was a little more limited there. Okay. Well, so you're... Oh, and also, this game also allowed you to recruit um, anthropomorphic elephants, living snowmen, and walking, talking, boxing lobsters. Okay, this game has to have a remake. Oh, also, this is a game which, from what I can gather, has a game where you can become a merchant and take over the world's economics. It can become the ultimate corporation in the world. Yeah, that, that was that was one of the many. That was one of the secondary games. I never got into that because that's one area where it's actually better to have the English translation because the Japanese. I, I don't have the Japanese vocabulary to understand that particular um, that particular part of the mini, uh, part of the game. I don't have. I don't know a lot of economics Japanese. So. Nor would you ever have I, reason to unless you work in that area. Or unless I have to translate and trails in the sky, apparently. <laughs> remember, remember, um, there was that one example of Japanese text from Trails in the Sky that got put into an interview on RP Gamer last year, and it, I, uh, my comment was it sounded like something that you would find in, in a high school economics textbook, and it actually was something from a high school economics textbook in the game. Wow. Yeah. I guess that's better than a college economics textbook, isn't it? Well, it's about the same level of inscrutability when you get down to it. <laughs> um, it's Japanese. Yeah, fair enough. Hmm. Alrighty. Well, sounds exciting. And while everybody uh, starts marching around their block, um, yelling, uh, you know, remake, saga, make, saga, remake. Saga, saga. Remake, remake. Remake. <laughs> yeah, remake. Everybody go out there right now, start marching around, start yelling out remake while we take a brief. You better yell really loud because you need to be heard in Japan. Yep. <laughs> while we take a brief. Call it Operation Saga Fall. <laughs> while we uh, take a <laughs> brief recess and come back with the final lap. Forms are back up and working. <laughs> Based on empirical evidence, I think all of us can speak to. Yes, that would appear to be the case. Yeah, so everybody needs to go and write lots of comments about how much they love RPG Backtrack and how they're all rushing out to buy. Um, um, what are we buying today? Romancing Sega remake on the PlayStation Minstrel Two. Minstrel Strong. Well, no, no songs in the. Don't don't search for Minstrel Song though. When you go to eBay, because yeah, they won't pull the up. Version. It's the uh, the English version, just is romantic saga. So um, yeah, check that out. Oh, feel free, feel free to comment on Metal Max Three as well. So. Hmm. Oh, yeah. uh, let's see oh, here. Which 
which I, I had to put that one up myself, but understandable since I think that was the first item to get indexed after the forums crashed. Uh huh. So, hey, look, yeah. Famitsu gave uh, gave it a thirty-two out of forty. Romancing Saga. There you go. Yeah, but um, but Romancing Saga. <laughs> which one? The the remake or the original? I believe that's the remake. It, it says PlayStation Two version at the top, so I think yeah, that would oh, be the remake. Yeah. I I just I can't quite remember what the Romancing Saga three score was, though I did see it once. But it was on par with Chrono Trigger and Secret of Man. It, it had the exact same scores. Hmm. Hmm. Um. Let's see here. So. Um, oh yeah. So we don't really have a lot of cons from the last show, probably because you know the the forum issues and stuff. But now that they're working again, everybody can go and rush and list lots and lots of comments. There's no reason now. Ha ha. Um. Not to do that. And next show. You can also write in questions or anything about our next show. That will be Night, Night of, the of the Demon. Ooh, we're talking about a couple of games I'm pretty familiar with for once. Uh, Nocturne and Strange Journey. And Mr. Baker can tell us about the earlier Shin Megami Tensei games. Yep. Well, at least Shin Megami Tensei, Tensei 1 and If. I never actually got around to playing 2 before my Super Nintendo um, died on me again. And and I'm sure that uh, many people in our audience have their own opinions on either the games we talked about today or the ones we're going to talk about next week, or maybe some other older RPGs that they play. They can you they you somebody can let their thoughts be heard by calling eight zero one eight one zero fifty five ninety seven and telling your story. That's right. Get your thoughts recorded in RPG Backtrack history while you still can. Make sure you mention the game and the system the year of release. Pull out a watch, make sure you're between two and five minutes, call us up, and let us know what you think about these games or some other ones. And that number again is... 801-810-5597. So, cool. Maybe... You know what? And if you do it, I'll even send you a copy of Unlimited Saga for free. (laughs) Oh, wait. (laughs) Generosity will break the hearts of everyone. I might not have. Maybe something else. I wonder if I still have that or not. I have to go back and look. Anywho. Oh, let's see here. Uh, Okay, so let's talk about Pippage. What do you want to pimp or what have you been doing this week or whatever the hell you want to talk about. Let's start with Mr. Apples. Uh, I want to pimp Saga. (laughs) Well, isn't that what you've been doing? Uh, Maybe, but please... Play lots of Saga, and maybe we'll, maybe by some miracle, whatever next Saga that comes out will actually come out in the U.S. That would make me happy. Or just, you know, send some Q&A mail about Saga. I'd love to hear other people's stories, you know. Uh, As I'm sure you all know, it's the series that I grew up playing, and I I enjoy talking about it. So, yeah, send me some Q&A mail about Saga. Hmm. And also, I'd like to pimp the, if you have a Vito, Vita, the demo of Gravity Rush, because it was um, amazing. 
Well, it's it's been getting pretty pretty decent reviews. Uh, last time I checked, I, I was reading specifically for that one because that was one of the demos I played too. That uh, was very captivating um, as far as just its its the the aesthetics of the game were just absolutely amazing. Oh yeah. Um, it's uh, it's it did pretty good on IGN. It's been getting an average meta, I think, of like seven point five or eight. User reviews were a little bit higher than that, so people seem to be enjoying it. How are there any user reviews? It's not out till next month. You know, that's the funny thing about users. <laughs> they review stuff that just based on the demos they played. It's great. Oh, this game is going to be amazing. Exactly. I haven't played it yet, but 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Uh, and, you know, they do just the opposite, too. It's uh, I've seen them uh, bomb out a game, like, either right before or right after it came out, just because it's not because they played it, but because they didn't like the DRM on it or something along those lines. So I remember Command and Conquer. Oh, Star Ocean 4 reaction. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Command and Conquer 4. Where most of the people who responded could not have possibly played the game yet. Yeah, isn't it awesome? That's just great. <laughs> So, um, yeah, to me, uh, medical... How can you bother playing the game? Then you might learn things that you didn't want to know. Yeah, to me, to me, the the Metacritic and user scores, they're just barometer readings. And it's listening to you guys and, and reading reviews that uh, RP Gamer, uh, l- listening and, and reading reviews by people who love RPGs that matter, you know, most to me and should matter the most to you as our listening audience. <laughs> uh, in all honesty, because you really want opinions from people who played a lot of RPGs and who love them, not from some guy who normally works in the sports section and got yanked to do you know, a, a review of, um, <laughs> of an RPG. So, um, is that it for you, Mr. Apples? Um, yeah, you know, go buy Romancing Saga. Uh, I think that most people will not regret it. Sure. And how about you, Mr. Nathan? Um, well, again, I like to champion Saga whenever possible because it's an awesome series, but, for the moment, I'm actually take the moment to actually pimp something, and that's, you know, as some people may know, the Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition playtest has started, so I encourage people to participate, and, I don't know, maybe try not the voices saying the current version of it is good, considering I don't really like the version of it at all. So, if you don't <laughs> like the current way VIP is going, please say so, because we need more people saying that. That's all. But what if I, what if I want to just stick with my 3.5 books, because I already have all of them, and it doesn't cost any money to yeah, that's... play this? That's good, but you know, I three has problems, four has problems. I want a better edition, not you know, the let's do things like they were in one E edition. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Hmm. Okay, fair enough. Anything else, Nathan? No, nah, that's all I can think of tonight. Fair enough. And let's see here, Mr. Baker. Yes. How about you? I've been trying to think of something that you guys could actually play over there. <laughs> well, what's but been making not, you can talk about just, you can talk about what makes uh, your heart happy. Metal Max Three, but that's not going to happen. Um, what else? What, else? what do I have around here? We're crying tears of sadness right now. Yeah, I've, yeah. I I want to play that game so much. Okay, how about Soul Hackers? Yes, Soul the, Hackers. Yes. It, yeah, Soul Hackers. The 3DS remake is coming out in August in Japan, and there is a very good likelihood that it'll um, jump the Pacific. And if it does, be sure to try it out. It's 
like um, it's kind of like Strange Journey, a little more user friendly in some areas, and, and it has a really interesting cyberpunk story. Hmm. Cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Anything else on your mind? I notice you're not recommending PAL Shinkan Densetsu. Yeah, what's up with that? <laughs> well, it's, it's a question. It's a case where I actually liked it a little, but the issues involved with it just kept piling higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. And higher, and yeah. So, I had the problem I actually with liked Avengers it better Avengers. than some games that I gave it to, but <laughs> I couldn't, in good conscience, give it anything higher than the score I gave it. So, <laughs> uh. I had that problem with Revengers of Vengeance way back when, which uh, I liked the idea of putting a fighting game around an RPG mechanic with shooter segments in the middle to get your people stronger and get the money, but it's so badly implemented on every level that it got a 1.5. And the only way you'll ever play it is if you have a Sega CD, so don't bother looking for it too hard. Yeah, I won't. <laughs> I didn't think you were at high risk of seeking out Revengers of Vengeance on the Mega CD. Yeah. Hmm. Okay, how about you, Mr. Minky? Well, I finished Super Robot Tyson Original Generation Saga Endless Frontier Exceed, and if you bother to look at the written... Say that in time to that. I was about to say, just the fact that you <laughs> that you enunciated that whole title correctly, that alone is an accomplishment. Screw the game. Just, wow. I particularly like that the final boss reminded me strongly of fighting Wudan Ymir in Fudgelmer from Original Generation 2. And I think he had the same voice actor, too, which doesn't necessarily make sense, but whatever, it was cool. Uh, The final boss of that game was an ancient evil that possessed a three-meter-tall mecha, right? Yes, and looked identical to a, a... what. 20-meter-tall mecha from the original Generation series proper. Which I'm sure was entirely intentional. Oh, yes. Uh Along with having the same voice actor as piloted that 20-meter-tall mecha. Yep. And I just started... Actually, I didn't just start since I got married in it. Dragon Quest V on DS. And... You know, this is one of the stronger Dragon Quests I've played. Uh, the whole guiding your character from a little kid who gets who's barely taking on slimes to seeking out the hero, and apparently you're not the hero. Maybe your maybe your kids are. I gather that you eventually have children in this game. It's doing that very well. The combat is well. It's Dragon Quest. There's nothing particularly special there, but it's one of the better Dragon Quests, most definitely. I hear a lot of Dragon Quest fans calling that one the best, so... I don't feel prepared to say that when I haven't tried all of them enough to give a judgment. <laughs> Although I can it, it definitely say... has one of the more centralized stories of the series. Oh, and I got married to Deborah, whatever that, for whatever that's worth. 
Um, and let's see, I'll, I'll just shout out a few movies because as everybody knows, I watch a ton of them. I'll hear two sides of Nicolas Cage, the serious good actor side in Red Rock West, which if you haven't seen involves him going up to Wyoming in search of a job, coming into a bar run by G.T. Walsh and G.T. Walsh handing over five grand and saying that it's for the killing of his wife, then him going to visit the wife, Laura Flynn Boyle, and she doubling the offer to go back and kill him. And then the actual guy who was supposed to come up and do the job, Dennis Hopper eventually shows up and it just gets crazier from there. And it's really fun. And Nicolas Cage is really good in it. Or there's the Nicolas Cage in unrestrained, full chewing on the clouds mode in Vampire's Kiss, where he starts out sounding like Keanu Reeves for some reason. I don't know why, but he talks like this through the whole movie. And then, and then he starts to really go over the top. It's not enough to just jump on the desk at work and start shouting at his secretary. No, we have to have him shaking his head back and forth in the hallway, t- telling her, too late, too late, too late. Or later, running down the streets of New York going, I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire, I'm a vampire. Or because he cannot afford the more realistic vampire fangs, he buys the cheap plastic ones in a shop and runs around with them in a nightclub and bites someone on the neck. And at the end, he imagines that he's talking to a woman he has just created in his own mind and walks down the street of New York talking to this person. So if you're there to see Nicolas Cage go full scale into orbit with his scenery chewing, you'll have a fun time because he makes it hilarious. The movie is terrible, but he makes it really funny. (laughs) What's the Uh, name of that movie again? Vampire's Kiss. Vampire's Kiss. Maria Conchita Alonso is in there for whatever that's worth. She was a Miss Teenager of the World in the 70s, and she's still really good looking. And then, of course, Nicolas Cage treats her like dirt because she's a secretary. And it's a movie made in the 80s. Ha, 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 ha. Um, yeah. Of course, you could still make a movie like that, and not much would have to change. And let's see. I haven't seen many other new movies, but I'll just pick one that I saw in Turner Classic. Merrily We Live, which is a great screwball, which is unfortunately not on any kind of video. And look, if you've seen screwball comedies, this is a really good one. It involves a tramp being brought into a household by Billy Burke. And if you don't know who Billy Burke is, just think of Glinda the Witch of the Good Witch and you'll get her. That's Billy Burke. Oh, and you can just picture her as the matriarch of a household and kind of get an idea that that person would not be entirely with it. She takes in a tramp, and what do you know? The tramp turns out to not necessarily be a tramp, but the fun, the fun of a screwball is not the plot, but getting there. And I really recommend you track it down if you possibly can, and you're going to need to use either Turner Classic or the internet to do it because it's never been on any kind of video. And that's enough for now. I'll let Phil speak. <laughs> hmm. Well, I didn't get to watch many. Mo- Actually, didn't watch any movies um, since last time. Go Avengers. Um, <laughs> no. Um, been spending all of my living, breathing, free time playing Diablo. <laughs> um, yeah. The the reviews pretty much nail this on the head. It's a really, really, really good game, and uh, just put my own personal spin on it. Uh, my, uh, you know, I'm I'm 
a typical RP gamer type of dude. Uh, my father is uh, is totally different than me. He lives in California and uh, just totally different outlook on life than me. And my wife is from Indonesia, totally different than me. And all three of us are on Diablo playing together. And <laughs> a, a, yeah, a, and a family that slays together stays together. And it's just, you mean when when the servers are up, Phil, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, I haven't got to that yet. Hold on now. Hold on to the horses. Okay. So I just really, really saw the game. Five classes. Each one of them feels so different. Each one of them feels very solid. You play the warrior. You actually feel like you're playing the warrior. It's just it's just very, very well done from the game. From the game, just absolutely feeling so solid. The storyline is ho hum, throw away. It's so cliche. Don't just you don't. I guess you don't play these games for the stories. I don't know. I think it would have been really, really nice for Blizzard to put some thought into the story. The music is also forgettable. Um, I swear sometimes I just throw on my own music because I just I get tired of hearing it. Not a big fan of the music. Um, and then my third uh, beefy complaint is absolutely the connectability. This is so ridiculous to have a game that uh, in the past this genre has always had, uh, whether it was one of the older Diablos or any of the other action RPGs that have followed in its wake. They've all, for the most part, had single-player campaigns that could be played offline. And, and Diablo does not have that. <laughs> and that that is really irritating, especially given the fact that for whatever gosh darn reason, they can keep the servers up. Up. Even right now, at the time of this recording, the server is down again. And this this game's been out for, what, almost two weeks now? And the auction house, uh, the functionality on that one has been very limited because they can't seem to get the coding straight on that. Uh, the commodity market, uh, commodity part of the auction house in particular has not been working uh, at all, hardly. And uh, so it's kind of disappointing that Blizzard, who is known for their spit and polish, the you know that while they still nailed down the Blizzard formula in the gameplay department, which is the <laughs> most important department in, in the, the action RPG genre, uh, it, it really is sad to see that they lacked any of that spit and polish. Uh, in some of the the other areas, so uh, Adrian uh, has already reviewed it on a site, gave it a five out of five. I cannot extend it that courtesy because these other elements, especially the network connectivity, do constitute a part of the experience. And having the world's best game doesn't mean crapola if I can't connect to play it. <laughs> and I had pluckered, and I'm not even just complaining about the first day blues. Again, we are almost two weeks out, and I still can't get on it. So, I mean, I, I got on it a lot in between, but I mean, tonight. I come home, long day at work, I'm looking forward to playing some more Diablo. Well, actually, I was looking forward to doing a podcast, but I know a lot of people are looking forward to playing Diablo, and they can't do it because the, the servers are are having canaries or something. It says it's busy or something. Poop. This isn't an MMO. <sighs> Anywho, I, 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 though I'd give it a, I'd still give it a, a 4.5. Uh, I'll take away, uh, I'll say, I'll stop it short of, what, what's a 5.0 for us? Is that, that's not perfect though. It's like excellent or something. What is, what is a 5.0? Anybody? Yeah. Know? That's really, really good, but it does not actually have to be perfect because that's, a very sticky definition to argue. Yeah, and I and I and I agree with that. I I I think it's I I think websites that never give out a ten out of ten or their highest score, I think they're silly. I absolutely do. Um, or they think only one game, like Zelda, Ocarina Times, usually the one. It was the only game worth giving there. Gold War Two of a perfect score. You know, Phil. <laughs> that's the reason why our former contributor, Mister Otter. Never gave a five because he felt that no game could deserve it. Yeah, I think that's absolutely silly. 
I absolutely think that's silly. I think, but I, I think the gameplay alone definitely is worth the 5.5. It's just these other three elements that they may sound nitpicking, but I'm sorry, you got RPG somewhere in your title. Story should be a little bit more important. They do have some good voice acting. Uh, the characters are okay. Um, as always, their cutscenes, uh, you know, the, the few cutscenes they have in there are absolutely blizzard gorgeous. It's just the the story itself is is more cliche than than another remake of Lord of the Rings. So, yeah, yeah, that, uh, mm-hmm. get your internet working. Anyways, um, <laughs> geez, aside from that, I've just been playing some Infamous, which I'm surprised we don't cover that because I swear I got experience points in that game. Um, <laughs> I like don't that game. Don't bring it up. We, we don't need the, the next have what it, classifies have, to, have y'all played? Game. Have y'all played Infamous? Anybody else played Infamous? No, no. guess not. It's really, yes, yes, yes. I get to think hard about Infamous. No, I love Infamous. Isn't it great? That's a pretty cool game. I'm enjoying that. It's it. Uh, I'm not usually the biggest fan of that kind of open world game, but I think that is by far one of the best open world games you could play because just the the, the whole thing is designed around using his superpowers. Yeah. So you can just wander around and just have a lot of fun. I have to agree with you. I I normally am not the biggest fan of open world, or when I do play an open world game like Grand Theft Auto 4, I just pretty much stick to the main story, and I don't do that much sidetracking because it really doesn't appeal to me. But in this one, because you're right, you're farting around with these superpowers. It's just fun. Just go and and blast the bad guys, and you got this huge city to play around with. I've actually done most of the optional missions. I now have like 84% of the city that's safe. You know, yeah, so I've, I've I've been doing the same thing. Yeah, yeah, that 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 game is uh, uh, pretty cool in that regard. So if you haven't checked out Infamous, you can probably get it real cheap nowadays. I, I would highly recommend it. And uh, farting. They did give it. They gave away the digital version as a possible free choice after the whole PSN outage. Oh right, that, right. That, that was certainly your best opportunity to pick it up. Yeah, a lot of my a lot of my friends uh, got it that way too. Uh, they got it off of that uh, whole PlayStation uh, network deal that when it was down and it came back up, one of my friends got infamous that way, and he totally enjoyed it. But at the time, I, I didn't have the time to play it, so I didn't jump into it right away. Um, I think that's all I've done for the moment, other than farting around in Sacred some more. I like the graphics in Sacred. 2D isometric graphics. Yum. <laughs> Beautiful. 2D isometric graphics. So, but the gameplay isn't as tight as Diablo. So, more hours get put into Diablo when the servers are up. <sighs> Anywho, uh, I think that's it for all of us. Uh, thank you, uh, Mr. Baker, Mr. Apps, and Mr. Nathan, who had to run away to go get something to eat. Uh, for that being happens on when you show. don't eat lunch. Yeah, how <laughs> silly not to eat lunch. That's just a silly thing to do. Um, I thank you are listening. Speaking of which, I need to eat lunch pretty soon, too. Yeah, well, we're just about done here. I thank you, our listening audience, for listening to us. You are the reason we do this. So do us a big, huge favor. Rate us on iTunes and all those other websites. And leave comments on our forums at rpgamer.com. Is it forward slash forum, right? Something like that. So there's a link on the site. There's a link on the site, rpgamer.com, and go listen to all of our like back history of backtracks. We're like we got like lots now. Holy cow! Been doing this for a while now. Sweet mercy. <laughs> uh, hey, you know what? RPG backtrack. By the way, boys and girls, it's a production of rpgamer.com. 
That is, and should if it isn't, it should be your only source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and we have the best gaming community on the net. So write us questions and comments on our boards or email me at jcservant at rpgamer.com. Who knows what we'll do with them. Maybe we'll read them on the air or something fun like that. Follow us at twitter.com slash rpgamer and become our biggest fans at facebook.com slash rpgamer. And, of course, we got that other podcast. Uh, what was it called? Something something cast. RPG cast. Yeah. That's all at our... called grenade cast. That's it. Yeah, they're not nearly as cool <laughs> as we are. <laughs> but you should probably listen to them anyways because they go over the more current stuff. In fact, I think they had a long Diablo chit-chat last time I was listening to. Anyway, that's all at rpgamer.com. Mr. Meeky, put us to bed. Well, I was going to say something, but really... I have no hope of explaining Unlimited Saga when the experts have already been at it. And Romancing Saga, again, the experts have already had it. So take what they said to heart and be well. Everybody.